Welcome everybody to the Esports Power Hour. This week we talk about Atlantic City's new Super Smash Brothers tournament, TSM discontinuing their attempts to join the Overwatch League, NBA's new 2K League, and how age affects players in esports. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to episode two of the Esports Power Hour. I'm co-founder of Roundtable Esports and your host once again, Crown Tempest. I'm going to pass it off to the rest of my cast here to introduce themselves and introduce how the the, uh, the podcast goes. So uh, I'll pass it off to Sov here. Hey everybody, it's Sovereign back for round two, founder and CEO of Vengeance Esports. And to round out the cast tonight and give you a quick rundown of our format once again, here's Metal. Hey guys, what's up? I'm Metum, and thank you for tuning in. So just to remind everybody from the last episode and to explain to our new listeners our format, each caster has four minutes to talk about the topic at hand before swapping it over to the next person. Each person will have the ability to take the stage from someone else once per topic. To build on that, or to build on their point or counter it. With three takes of the same news and three chances to take the spotlight, our cast is going to provide as much information on that topic in the time period as possible. On that note, I'm going to pass back over to Crown to introduce the first topic. All right, perfect. Thanks for that intro, guys. Okay, so starting off this week, we've got uh, several topics once again to discuss. We're going to start things off talking about Atlantic City's new Super Smash Bros. tournament and the um, the what's what's called the Casino Tropicana Atlantic City. I'm not sure if it's the name of the casino is Tropicana Atlantic. Or Tropicana Atlantic City. Either way, uh, I'll, I'll actually let Metam start this one off, uh, seeing as he's done a little bit, uh, a little bit more research into this, and actually follows the scene a lot closer than I do. Um, so, uh, uh, without any further ado, uh, the time starts now. So, from May 12th through to the 14th, Tropicana Atlantic City is going to be playing host to Royal Flush, a weekend-long melee and Smash 4 esports tournament, with both tournaments bolstering a $5,000 prize pool. Now, it's going to feature some pretty big names. There's going to be Mango from C9, Armada from Alliance, Leffen and Zero from TSM, and S2J from Tempo Storm. Now, this tournament is coming on the heels of Tropicana and uh, Tropicana hosting this tournament on the back of Caesars Atlantic City, which hosted a major esports event last month with $200,000 pool up for grabs. So now the question I'm going to pose to you guys is what do you think of who's going to win the tournament? Do you think it's going to be a pro, or do you think uh, one of the casuals might surprise? Okay, I'm, okay, I'm going to jump in here, I guess, then. Um, now, it's <laughs> there's no way that a casual player will even come close to winning this. There's there's no way in, in all of imagination. Like you, you couldn't predict any way that some sort of casual player would come out and win against these these top names. Like these are guys that play this game constantly. It, it's the same idea as playing any other professional esport or sport in general, where they're spending all day, every day playing this game, practicing to get good as opposed to just casually playing in their spare time. Um as to who's gonna win it, it's honestly a pretty big toss up. I know Armada and Hungry Box have been kind of the two main superstars for the last several events 
spanning across like fall when I know Hungrybox actually decided to leave his job and, and focus solely on the Smash scene. The, the real question, though, is I know Mewtwo King did win a tournament in, uh, I believe, in Orlando, Florida uh, last month, mid-last month. So if he can actually show up and play at the levels that we've known to play at in the past, he could definitely give some of the major names a run for their money. But I, I think really, like in reality, any of the top like six or seven players could win it. Leffitt could easily come out and, and, and take it all. Um, Mango, if he's on his game, could easily win it as well. It, it really depends on who shows up. Uh, I would say Armada's probably the most consistent, so he's likely going to be the one to win. But Hungrybox did win the the um, the tournament in uh, in Austin, the DreamHack tournament there. So he did win that at the end of the month. All right, last just month. To so cut you off here. So I personally, I'm a big fan of Mango. I enjoy watching his streams. I've watched him in these tournaments, and he's been my favorite to win. I would honestly be willing to place a bet that Armada and Mango would end up facing in the finals. I wouldn't be able to really give it off to who's going to win, but I really don't think any of the no-names are going to win it. I think the scene's been around for so long now that the top players are pretty separated from the average player and from the people that you just don't hear the names of. So I really just I don't see anyone outside of the top players winning. There could definitely be an upset within those top players. But I, I'm probably going to give it to Armado, Mango, or maybe Hungrybox. For sure. Uh, I do think that Mango could and, and probably will end up playing up against Armada. The only issue is if he plays against Armada before the um, the losers, like if he plays before the finals and ends up getting thrown to the loser brackets, we know Mango kind of has, has a thing for losing in winner's bracket and then making his just rampage through the loser's bracket and then going to the grand final. And he's won several times by doing that. The only issue for me is he has problems playing against Hungrybox and he, he's had issues beating Hungrybox a lot. So the real question is if he ends up running through the loser's bracket or even running through the winner's bracket and has to play against Hungrybox, he could end up losing that matchup, which would then probably see a Hungrybox Armada final. So it really depends on if somebody else can knock Hungrybox out or if uh, if Mango and, and Hungrybox end up playing each other, then I, I think Hungrybox will probably take it as much as I am also a huge Mango fan myself. It is important to note that um, not necessarily something that was distinguished, but they are doing both uh, Smash Melee and uh the wii u so smash 4 so some of the names most of the names that we're talking about armada mango um are all melee players while there is still going to be the separate tournament with zero um i think it's definitely interesting to say i'm not too familiar with a lot of the well-known smash players uh are you guys familiar with any other bigger smash 4 players i know zero is pretty much the only one that comes to mind but uh, I'm curious to see. I actually don't follow Smash 4 whatsoever. I watch Melee tournaments whenever they come on, but I have never, never really cared to watch Smash 4, so I don't actually know any of the names besides Zero. So I can't really give too much weight on that. <laughs> For sure. 
I, I honestly, the Smash 4 seems a lot more unpredictable, in my opinion, than Melee is. Like, Melee, you typically know Armada, Mango, Hungrybox, or, or like, the occasional other person will come in and, and win. But it's typically those three that are kind of, like, the top of the, the, the tournaments most of the time. In, in Smash 4, you kind of see a lot more all over the place. Um, Ken is a really solid player. You see Nairo, Hero, um, MK Leo are all really good players that can typically finish first, second, third, or fourth. Like they, they're, it's, it's all over the place, right? Like the last couple tournaments, uh, you, you see MK Leo placing first, Zero placing first a couple times. Uh, Daboo's placing first. I think that's how you pronounce that. I'm actually not 100% sure how you pronounce that one. But there's in, in the last six tournaments, there's five different winners. So it could really go any direction when it comes to the the Smash Four scene. I think it's safe to say uh, anyone who mains Jigglypuff is definitely uh, my favorite. I know back when I was playing Melee, way back when, uh, Jigglypuff not only was the first character that you actually unlock through uh, completing one of the classic story modes. But it's also one of the most like troll characters. Like you put yourself to sleep, and it's just like I, I, it's, it's, I'm gonna quickly, I'm gonna quickly, sorry, I'm gonna quickly there. Um, there are no Jigglypuff characters in Smash Four, like no mains really in Smash Four. Actually, I don't even know. She's I, I, I'm not super into the Smash Four scene again, so I don't know if she's a, hey, like. Brown, a... you were out of time. No, okay. All right, so <laughs> I will uh, ride on that and say there's. I don't believe there's really very many. Jigglypuff players, maybe in the uh, group of players that we don't have at the top of the list that are real well known, but I believe there's only one player who actually plays Jiggly or Jigglypuff at a competitive level. I can't remember the name right now for some reason it's escaping me, and I'd assume Crown probably knows, but he's unfortunately yeah, not in which talk. <laughs> ah, fuck. <Yeah>. But uh. <laughs> I was also going to ask, I was kind of hoping you'd both be able to answer this, but again, Crown can't talk. Yay. (laughs) Do you you guys think this 5k pot is too small at this point for the price that they're charging all these players? Obviously, the event costs a lot to actually run, but $15 for a single day to go into the show and $40 for a full event pass... And ten dollars per player. I think a casino could probably have afforded to put up a little bit more of a prize pot for the amount of people they're gonna be pulling in. So to my understanding, uh I'm gonna actually gonna go back and read the article to quote um so to quote from playnj.com, the regional tournament's prize pool is getting a nice sweetener too. There will be five thousand dollars added to the pot for both games, melee singles and smash singles. So now whether or not it's just a base 5k or if there's an undisclosed pot that we don't know of yet uh, remains to be seen. If it is, in fact, a much larger pot, I think it's definitely good for not only the players involved, but kind of the growth of the scene as a whole. For the most part, you don't really hear as much of Smash as you do kind of the bigger titles. Um, Obviously, there's still... You know, star players that are getting picked up by orgs, and it's definitely growing, a growing title. But the prize pool prominence is definitely something that I think could be worked on, if not is already quite, um, quite substantial. 
yeah, I guess you make a good point. I, for some reason, forgot how the article said they were adding 5k to the pot, so I would assume that there probably is a predetermined amount on top of it. For all we know, it could just be all the money that all the players are putting in to participate. That would just be put into the pot. I'm sure the casino is going to be taking some of that money to actually set up the event and all the food and whatnot. So an interesting thing I'd actually like your opinion on, Madam, there, is with casinos now getting involved with esports, we've already seen um, kind of throughout the, the scene that there's esports betting. So team uh, people are being able to place bets on teams to win championships, um, where players might end up contract-wise, that sort of thing. But with casinos now getting into it, do you think this leads to more betting or just an extra influx of capital? Well, I think it could be both, and I also think it could be slightly problematic as well. I think that it could definitely cause more betting, and if it happens in the proper direction, I guess would be the word, I don't think it'd be very problematic. But the way that it was currently set up with betting, with CS Shuffle and all the other popular loot gambling that was going on, there was a lot of scamming and whatnot that was going on, so as long as it doesn't go in that direction, it should be okay as long as casinos are handling it. It's definitely going to be uh, interesting to see how this plays out. We've seen as time has kind of gone on, um, cities taking interest, different sports teams and their respective owners taking uh, interest. Now with casinos kind of joining the pot, um, kind of pun intended, um, the way the direction of the industry as a whole kind of shapes up is uh, is definitely going to be something to keep your eye on. Tropicana obviously is uh, pretty big in terms of juice, so I'm, I'm eager to see where it goes, and I definitely think that uh, it's something to keep your eye on. Unfortunately, you're out of time. So just to use my uh, last 20 seconds that I have here, I just wanted to remind you guys of the date and recommend you actually go and check it out. So that tournament will be taking place on the 12th through the 14th. And it will be broadcasted on Twitch by several of the organizations that stream it. And I am out of time. <laughs> you know no idea, no idea how much I absolutely hate not having time to talk about that sort of stuff. <laughs> if you, <laughs> oh man, there's so much I could go on with. Either way, uh, we'll transition over to our next topic. Just just as a side note, Medum was originally supposed to start the topic off, but we figured he was gonna he was gonna have enough time left over that we'd actually let Saab do it anyway. So <laughs> we'll have Saab start off probably the next topic as well, and uh, we'll come back after the break and we'll talk about TSM discontinuing their attempts to join the Overwatch League, and uh, we'll be back in a couple seconds. So it looks like TSM might not be hopping into Overwatch after all. So with a statement coming in from Blam and Connor J, who were positioned to be making TSM's Overwatch squad, Blam released in a twit longer stating the team isn't going to come to fruition. And this is mostly on the back of uh, Overwatch League kind of popping up. Uh, Top-performing European Overwatch team Reunited decided to cease operations citing the Overwatch League. And just last month, DreamHack's director of esports actually 
stated that they are probably not going to continue doing large-scale operations for Overwatch based on the OWL. So where this kind of comes in, it's interesting that actually last week we did the geolocation episode where we talked about Overwatch tying into cities. But with this now coming out with one of the world's bigger brand names deciding that they're not going to decide to participate in OWL just for now, what are you guys' thoughts on such a big player coming and pulling out? Well, I'm going to go ahead and take over before the crowd does. And <laughs> said, I think it's pretty uh, crippling, honestly. TSM has a lot of fans. They might not be the biggest organization in a whole, but I think them backing out could drop the viewer. Maybe not the whole way, obviously, but TSM is one of the bigger organizations in esports. So I do think... Wait, 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 okay. <laughs> oh, really? A, an effect pun? Come on. <laughs> Either way, I'm going to jump in here. And I honestly don't think it's going to affect that at all. I don't think any of their viewership or fan base is going to drop. I think, yes, they might not pick up some potential fans because we know, I, I believe, last year they were looking into joining the, the league as well, but then just stopped because there was some, some controversy going on. Um, either way, I think the big issue for a lot of teams, especially ones that are so deeply kind of ingrained in other other games, such as, as League of Legends, such as having like very, very solid professional Smash players, as we just talked about earlier, they they don't necessarily want to put all their money into franchising with the Overwatch League when we know that it, there's a big possibility of franchising coming to 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 League of Legends specifically. So if you're going to be shelling out money, you're you're, you're not going to want to be shelling out the money to necessarily start up a new team in a in a new league that you don't have the following in when you can just put the money into the league that you that you know you've got a following in that you know your team is constantly a contender at for the the north american championships things like that so why why take that chance now when you can actually build build the finances from franchising with league of legends and then possibly a few years down the road bring in an overwatch team that you actually have the money to support all right i'm gonna go ahead and cut you off here so you're saying that the cost is a big or a uh, big impact on why they're making the decisions that they are which I do agree with to an extent, but how do you explain the dream hack not wanting any tournament license for Overwatch? Uh, that's a tough one to really answer, to be honest. With, with DreamHack not wanting to, it really comes down to things being... With, with what we talked about last week with geolocation, with them being tied to cities now, DreamHack, it, it doesn't really make sense for them to have tournaments several times a year and include overwatch if you're having this constant league going throughout the year and you end up having your playoffs and your world event it you don't really have the the same ability to pull these teams into a tournament halfway through the year when they're in the middle of their league so i just i, I think it's probably the smarter thing for dreamhack to focus on other esports such as the, the fighting scene in games like smash bros and uh, games like street fighter that that don't really have as solid of a league and are more tournament based than, than these games that are, are league based. Like for instance, I, I don't think they'll, I, I think they'll probably end up pulling out of uh, games like league of legends soon as well. I actually think the cost is probably the biggest implication 
uh, Blizzard is seeking buy-ins from franchise owners for up to fifteen million for like esports hotspots like Los Angeles, and for lower ends, they're looking two to five million. So something like that, where brands don't necessarily have all that cash flow, so you are guaranteed anchoring to a single location. Um, that being said to anchor to a single location is it really in anyone's best interest like franchising and geolocation obviously have their perks but as we discussed last week they obviously have quite a few downsides so not only shelling out is going to be an issue but finding somewhere where you want if you would want to anchor down at all would probably also be quite a tall task so i don't think kind of goes back on the topic that we talked about last episode with the franchising and whatnot of Overwatch, but wouldn't it kind of come back to bite Overwatch in the rear end if they, um, I'm losing my train of thought. If you take away the hand that fed you, wouldn't it kind of hurt the Overwatch scene? Because originally DreamHack was one of those conventions that put on all these tournaments and allowed the fans to come meet their favorite players and they put on a show for everybody and they had a lot of these signings and if they franchise out it separates it a little bit kind of the same way as uh dota has sound boxes so that the players can't hear the crowd versus league refuses to do it because it keeps a player to crowd personalization i guess or i don't know what the word would be so wouldn't it kind of come back to bite the scene in the ass whenever it comes to that? The the only issue I could see with it biting them in the ass is uh, if if major teams don't really get into into Overwatch. Like for instance, TSM not getting into Overwatch means there's a lot of viewers that they could pull in that they're not going to necessarily pull in um, just due to the whole franchising thing. But I, I don't think it really is going to affect DreamHack that much like yeah dreamhack's pulling out and it, it but it's not really gonna affect the fans if the fans still want to watch these games chances are cities are gonna have arenas start popping up for the games in, in which case your fans can just go to that that theater or that that arena or stadium or whatever you want to call it to to watch the games so there's no real issue at hand when it comes to building that community in fact, if anything, it grows your community stronger because you have not only the fans in that city coming to their home team, but also fans from across the country that have enjoyed that team throughout the past couple of years are, are going to fly to see these games. So I don't think it's going to affect any sort of issue like that. Yeah, you know, it, it's if, if anything, it's going to hurt DreamHack, I think, more than it will hurt the, the entire Overwatch scene. I think it's a bit of an overreach, like, again, pun intended, but Overwatch is still kind of that relatively new title amongst the scene, and they're the ones who pushed franchising first for the most part. Like, obviously, there was talk back in uh, the league community with some of the owners of North American teams opting to push for franchising, but Overwatch has been the one kind of blizzard goal that has pushed on like we want franchising we want to do this this is something that we're not being pushed to do but we ourselves are pushing they don't really have a mass 
basis to go on. They don't have an idea of how it needs to operate. You can look at traditional sports and say, okay, we can set up the same kind of model as the NFL, the MLB, or the NHL, but there's no tried and true proven way that esports has a franchising model. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and cut you off here, Sav, because I just want to add on to what you just said. I think on top of that, they haven't given teams enough time to earn money back from Overwatch, so teams haven't actually been able to see what they can truly earn in the Overwatch competitive league. So to franchise out so early in a game's history, I, I don't know how long exactly Overwatch has been out, but I think it's two, just two years, I think. I don't think it's been two years. I think it's just, just under two. Uh, didn't it just get over a year? Oh wait, yeah. I'm just thinking about that now because yeah, it came out early last early last year, I think. So they're. Not I don't even giving, remember to be honest. <laughs> so they're not giving these teams enough time to see what the potential earnings is, and it could be part of the reason why TSM, for example, is pulling out because what is in it for them to go into it right away. For sure. So I'm probably running pretty close to my end time. Um, I will sum up. <laughs> yeah. So it did come out mid last year. So it is actually this month. It'll be hitting its one year anniversary. So it is one year old. It's very, very new game compared to something like League of Legends and compared to Dota. To yeah. Poor crowd and his time management skills. So, to continue uh... on. Oh, I'm going to cut you off to continue on his life. <laughs> um, He's he's absolutely right. Being only one year old, there's no proven, you know, there's this dedicated following that's stuck with us, tried and true for years and years and years. Like Dota has, um, LOL has, Call of Duty even, uh, big bigger titles like that. So, kind of stretch back to what I was saying earlier. Overwatch pushing this so hard when they're still so new probably puts a lot of um, cities kind of on edge. They're not too sure whether or not they want to go through with this sort of thing. And Overwatch is, in my opinion, kind of overstepping their bounds in terms of can this actually be realistic? We don't have we don't have the proven base. We don't have the proven um, numbers that can stick around after a year. So to, to make this sort of assumption that it's going to be able to hold and on. You're out of time. All right, so uh, for my, I'm at a minute left, and I'm kind of running out of things to say. The one thing I wanted to add is, uh, it kind of goes with what Saab was saying, Overwatch kind of reminds me of that younger kid who sees the older kid jump off of gymnastics, and they're just like, oh, I'm going to go try that, and then they jump off and hurt themselves and end up causing more damage than what it was worth. Right, and on that note, seeing as we are all out of time, I'm going to go ahead and throw it back over to Crown and let him close out this topic. All right, so now that we've finished talking about uh, TSM backing out of the Overwatch League, we'll actually go move on to a bunch of teams joining a league. So we're going to talk about the NBA and their actual NBA 2K League that they announced late last year. So NBA 2K League, it's going to be premiering next year. And it's going to have, actually, they announced 17 
teams coming in. So there's Boston Celtics, Cleveland Cavaliers, Dallas Mavericks, Detroit Pistons, the Golden State Warriors, Indiana Pacers, Memphis Grizzlies, Miami Heat, Milwaukee Bucks, New York Knicks, Orlando Magic, Philadelphia 76ers, Portland Trailblazers, Sacramento Kings, Toronto Raptors, Utah Jazz, and the Washington Wizards. So that's a whole bunch of names if you caught them all. Hopefully you did if you're listening closely enough. But um, some of these teams, though, have um, owners that are actually already involved in esports. So my question is then, are these teams going to already come out with an advantage? So some teams like the the Mavericks who have Mark Cuban as their owner or uh, even the Heat or um, 76ers, are they going to have advantages with their teams since they've already been in the esports industry now with some other organizations? I'm going to go ahead and say yes. 76ers uh, obviously have bought into Team Dignitas. They've been in it for, I believe it's a year now or no that came was that december that that was announced yeah i think that was actually late last yeah, year i think well. it was i think it was december okay so they've kind of had all this time to put in their two cents of how esports kind of takes shape they have a rough idea of okay this is the resources we need to put in this is the general makeup of the scene as a whole while you are switching titles it's important to note that just having that experience as a whole under your belt already puts you far ahead of the game, in my opinion. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and take over from here then and just add in that I believe that they also mentioned that some of the teams are actually going to have their current esports managers manage this as well. So some of the teams that have invested in think they said the Dignitas esports manager is going to be looking for players and whatnot instead of it actually being management. So I do think it's definitely going to have an impact. So just to ride off of that as well, they had actually mentioned that there would be a draft. And I was kind of curious if you guys have any thoughts of how they would do a draft for the NBA 2K series. Would they be having multiple players at each team or would it be one player per team and they have more of an individual skill yeah for sure i'm i'm gonna guess i now I'm, I'm not super familiar with how um competitive play um works in in the uh sports games like like for instance the soccer games nhl games uh, NBA stuff like that. I'm not 100% sure how it works. My guess is though they'll probably end up having some sort of um, either they'll just look at the highest ranked players or the highest ranked teams depending on what they do and, and look and take players from that or they'll either my, my other guess is they'll hold a tournament they'll invite the top players to this tournament they'll have them play out the tournament and then they can kind of get an idea of who the best players are and start the draft from there. Now, the real question is, though, who gets to draft first? <laughs> Are they going to be doing a draw for this draft, or is it just going to be, like, their placement in the actual NBA where they draft? That's what I'm kind of interested to see. I don't know what uh, what exactly they're going to be doing for that. All right, I'm going to go ahead and jump in. I just want to reference how NHL has several game modes. There's some game modes where each player could be 
on the same team and you can fill up every single position which may be how they do it or there's also some well there's obviously a mode where you can play yourself as every position so i would assume that in that realm they would probably do the full team draft but if they did uh back to what you were talking about i don't remember what i was going to finish that off with but uh <laughs> with the drafting i would assume that it would go off of the team's current standing in the draft i think that would probably be the safest way to go about it i don't know what you're thinking about that stuff um probably the same way unless you're just gonna do it as like a you know a quick draw out of the hat um you know you touch out draft first because i draw their name out of a hat first in terms of like how the actual draft would shake up i assume they do it actually probably as a combine similar to either the nfl or uh how scouting grounds happened over in uh, League of Legends, you you bring in all the players who are interested in trying out, draft them into teams, and kind of see how the teams go. You obviously have your standout players from each individual team. You have the teams that go on to do significantly well in the tournament, and obviously those become your prospects. So when you have your scouts kind of go in and decide, okay, these are the prospects that we want, exactly similar to sports, that becomes your top draft priority, and it kind of shakes up like that. For sure. Now, I I do wonder exactly how they're going to play out the season as well. Because obviously, like, we, we have things like the, the NALCS, EULCS that take place, like, Thursdays through to the Sundays. So are, are they going to follow kind of a similar idea? Are they going to run mostly weekend games? Maybe they're going to try and follow the schedule of the actual NBA games themselves. And... Then we have to take a look, too. Are these going to be just best-of-one full-length games? Are these going to be best-of-three shortened games? It's kind of interesting to see exactly what might be happening with the way they actually set up the entire league. Just to build off that a little bit, the games, are they going to be played online? Or are they going to be played offline and expect this crowd to show up? Because we really haven't seen any NBA big uh, matches or anything in any of the bigger conventions or any of the smaller ones I haven't heard about. So are they planning on playing it online or are they going to get a big stadium and just hope that the crowd shows up and wants to see people play? Because I personally have only ever played really any of the sports titles sitting on my couch with my friends. I've never seen it as a real big competitive thing and i'm sure there are people out there but is there as big of a following as some of these other esports titles have for sure uh the other question i actually have if i'm not out of time yet which i would be I'm completely surprised at. i'm gonna interrupt you i want you to answer my question and then get <laughs> your question i completely forgot what your question was to be honest <laughs> is the scene going to pull in enough viewers to host a LAN event or are they going to have to play online and stream it and start uh, all league started out? I would assume they would start off streaming it just to see what kind of fan base they actually had. I And, and they might have already had some local turn. I don't think there's really been any major 
tournaments like that. So I, I don't think they have the actual information to know how many people are willing to watch it. So it'd probably start off streamed and eventually move to LAN events. But uh, now I've, I've per- completely forgotten what I was going to say because <laughs> of that. Um, oh, yeah. Do we, th- do we think we're going to see other sports following suit? So do we think NFL... Um, NHL and then and then things like uh, FIFA are gonna kind of follow suit and start creating these these leagues as well, or is it just gonna be kind of an NBA only club? <laughs> I think FIFA is going to be the closest, if not already. I I know several several orgs have FIFA players. I'm not sure if FIFA has its own league though. If it if it does, I'd be surprised, but. It, it would also be significantly welcomed. I know I personally like FIFA a lot. That being I also, said, though, sorry, I'm going to quickly just in, use my, my last interrupt here. Um, I I did I believe see well, a couple months ago that the NHL was interested. You were out of time. Perfect. I used up my time perfectly. <laughs> all right, all right. Go ahead, so. Uh, yeah. So to kind of continue on, so FIFA, not sure if they have their own league, but that being said. NHL, I think, is probably fairly likely to pop in as well. Um, but it's all contingent on how this NBA 2K League is going to shape up. Do Are they able to pull in the viewers? What is what is the cost of operating it? Where, where does the money come from? And how can they optimize it to make the most profit? Because obviously that's what they're in it for at the end of the day, right? So it, it has to make sense for the NHL to decide this is something that we want to do as well. Though I am extremely happy that the NBA has decided that they want to take a jump this early on. Yeah, I really think the smart sports organizations are going to take a look at how the NBA handles this and either not get involved in it if it goes poorly or look for what they can actually improve on because why jump in if someone else is jumping in first it doesn't really make any sense on a money level i know fifa may be run a little bit different because the way that the teams actually are organized it's more of a international thing i don't i can't think of what fifa stands for exactly but i think it would be run a little bit different than how the real soccer league is run just with it being more internationally based versus the NHL and NBA being North America. But I am out of time. All right. So I guess to kind of use up the rest of my time and close this out, um, no matter where this sort of league ends up going, whether it is successful or not, I don't think it's going to be a massive surprise or letdown so to speak i think if it does well um it's definitely something that the nhl maybe mlb nfl could potentially be looking at into expanding for however if it if it is kind of a flop i don't think it's really harm or foul we've got three years to see how it goes based on the contracts that all 17 teams have signed so depending on that might determine if it's worth it to try other games maybe it was just the nba that couldn't get it off the ground fair enough you're out of time so or yeah you you are out of time still but uh so you're now out of time as well so wow perfect 
<laughs> all right. So since all of us are out of time, and once again, I run out of time first. I feel like I don't. It's, it's not even time management thing. I just talk way too much. Either way, <laughs> it, it's a big conspiracy. I actually, that you were set to two minutes. Yeah, ah, that, that actually doesn't everything. surprise me. That doesn't surprise <laughs> me. You're You've been out to get him since day one. Yep. You guys are just trying to cut me off all the time. I guess you just don't. You don't want me to talk. That's what it really is. You guys don't like hearing the sound of my. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually in it to host for week three. So. Ah, fair enough. Either way, uh, <laughs> we're done talking about that topic. So after the break, we're going to come back and uh, we're going to talk about the the age in esports and how much of a factor it really takes on the players and how much it actually affects the game overall. So we'll be back right after this. All right, so moving into the last topic, we're going to be talking about aging and esports and what age do you really have to be to actually go pro in any of these esports it's a question that i actually see asked quite a bit is 24 too old to actually go pro in some of these sports due to reaction time and at what point does it really start to fall off so i actually just want to lead off with a question and get your guess's opinion on what age you actually do think that is the max that you could really participate in esports for sure um so when it, when it comes to esports like obviously your your mechanics your hand-eye coordination things like that all decrease over time right so games such as as league of legends such as dota such as it, pr pretty much anything that requires very quick movements it's it's going to become harder and harder to to maintain that over time so really it, when you hit a certain point obviously you can't play competitively with other players that are younger that have the same amount of game experience things like that the, the only thing that you can bring to the table is overall competitive experience if you play competitively for let's say six or seven years you're gonna have a lot more experience than some young guys coming in so you in some games you can actually use that to your advantage but for the most part if you're looking to go pro at an, an age like 24 you need to make sure that your practice is above what those around you are doing. So it doesn't necessarily need to be more. You need to practice the same amount at least, but you have to actually make sure your practice is doing more. So you have to be setting up better practice regimen for yourself in, in order to actually maintain the skill level you need to, to go pro. But, but there does hit a point when if you're not putting in the hours that you need to, because you're focused on trying to build another career where you're focused on your family, things like that, you're not going to have the time needed to, to go pro as a 22-year-old, 23-year-old, 24-year-old. Pretty much, it really depends on how much time you're willing to put in and how much you're willing to pour into your practice. All right, my turn. Um, <laughs> as for, I'll, I'll answer kind of both parts. I think the earliest you can start is probably what the industry standard is around 17 i don't i think anywhere between 17 and probably like 30 is probably the mainstay stable we've seen across quite a few titles there are older players who have families or are married or that sort of thing who you know can still kind of compete with the younger guys who are just starting to come into the scene you know, 17, 18, 19 years old. 
as for kind of the latest you could play or enter, I I really don't think it matters. I think you could be you could be sixty five years old and you could, you know, absolutely pub stomp some little twenty two year old brat. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. I can't, I'm going to disagree with you completely right, I'm, I'm there. you off here. Oh, wow. <laughs> wait, you're cutting me off while yeah, I'm, I'm cutting, cutting him off? Come off. on. After you cut off some. Time management crown. Learn it. Oh. <laughs> Savage. All right, so... Horns. I think... I kind of agree with what Crown's saying. I don't see any chance in hell that the 65 year olds going to go in and just pump stop some 22 year olds without spending 25 hours a day seven days a week practicing aka impossible but the one thing i do want to toss out is you're giving out the age of like 22 23 24 as the max crown but i'm going to tie this i never said the, it was max Cocker. well not necessarily the max but it's gonna get more difficult but I want to tie this somewhat into the whole Singapore starting that academy. Doesn't that kind of start an issue with academies trying to open up where who's, I don't know about any of you guys, but I don't think my parents would have agreed to uh, send me to some academy in Singapore to study esports at 17. <laughs> so it kind <laughs> of limits the market on that because unless your parents are crazy rich and can afford to just kind of send you away for however long these classes are actually going to take it kind of inhibits the ability to teach if the age is so low okay well just, i'm gonna use just for, I'm, I'm gonna cut you off just come for on clarification. <laughs> i want to use one of my cutoffs here just for clarification i will i will throw it back to you i just want to clarify i don't know if i actually vocalized it or not but uh for the record when i said 65 pub stopping you know it a 22 year old it was more so like if you are 65 and you just so happen to have the skills to be able to do that then all the power to you but now <laughs> you can go ahead okay so i was going to say about those esports academies so this is a whole thing again where we're looking at esports becoming mainstream compared to regular sports so regular sports obviously their viewership has been declining over the past couple of years while esports has been um just thriving completely above anything anybody really expected so if if esports is becoming mainstream if you look at something like hockey where, where players are are going to academies when they're very young players because they're playing from the ages of like five or six years old parents think yes my my kid's gonna go pro so they're gonna shell the money to try and get them to get pro well if esports becomes mainstream compared to something like regular sports where people in in our generation are the parents, then kids might actually get the chance to be going to these esports academies if they're planning to go pro and if they're playing from a young age and show notable skill at the game. So I, I don't think there's necessarily a cap on when you can start playing competitively. I think you definitely need to be at least 18 before you can play professionally. But it, it, there's in no way anything stopping somebody who's 13 or 14 from playing competitively and looking pro to go pro before they're uh like before they actually make it there because they if they have the skill and they have the knowledge of the game to do it there's there's nothing stopping them especially with people in our our age group becoming parents later on let me be the first to say i will be the first person who is going to strap a controller to my kids hand <laughs> and tell them 
you better be diamond by tomorrow or else you are disowned. But no, real talk. Um, I I would live my dreams, son. I would encourage um, every, every kid. Well, okay, I won't say every kid. Most kids have um, a large likeness towards video games and that sort of thing. If if my kid is devoting, you know, quite a bit of time to it, and you can actually you, you do your due diligence and see, okay, this is actually kind of the information about the game. This is kind of where my kid stacks up. If there's the correlation between where they are and where they could be, if if it's that if it's close enough where it's kind of kind of worth it to you know maybe it's okay to give them a shot. maybe it's okay to let them have this time maybe it's okay to see where they go but maybe put a time limit on it see okay maybe a year from a year down the line from here if if you're still doing well then maybe this is something that we can look at if you know things change obviously life changes if you're not that into it anymore then you know no harm no foul or right, so absolutely just to uh kind of build off of that the only issue that i do see is the generation difference it is hard for somebody who's never really grown up with serious video games i mean obviously my parents were around whenever the snes came out but there was no real competitive side to that, obviously, unless somebody was speedrunning and just having a fun in-house party. But the generation difference, I think, is the big issue in when this is starting up. Because, I mean, I agree, I'd be willing to send my kid to go take classes to play a video game professionally if that's what they wanted and they were doing good at it and they were doing fine in classes. But I, it's hard to expect a 40- or 50-year-old who didn't grow up around esports to accept the expenses and send their kid to do this i 100 percent agree i my if if i was to approach my parents like a year two years ago and be like hey there's an esport academy open i want to go there and learn to play this game professionally they'd be like no go do a real job <laughs> so definitely a, a lot of a lot of not necessarily elderly but but people that are in the generation above us don't really fully understand how how esports kind of pans out so it's just a matter of of our generation getting to the point where we're we're the parents looking at our kids going hey is this something that's actually possible for them to do and if they keep their grades up like you said about them and and they are able to have a life outside of just the game but still play at that level then i think it's awesome and i think they should they should right. be supported in doing what they love the perfect to carry on with exactly with what you're saying because I am like bowing down to what you were saying. Um, that is <laughs> that is absolutely true. You've seen as generations have gone on, things that were originally taboo are now completely mainstream. You know, you had, say in the 1920s, clothing was, you know, this big, big deal. And then as time has gone on, generations, clothing has become something that you know, you wouldn't wear something like this 80 years ago. That was considered incredibly taboo. So as as time goes on, things things could definitely shape up in the way that uh, you guys are saying, where because we've grown up with it, it's definitely something that could um, end up happening where we're more, we're more lenient on whether or not we allow 
our children to do this sort of thing and kind of where where we fall on it is also going to play into them because things that are taboo for them might not be 50 years down the line or just to add on to that as well like i mean my parents have been very supportive of me with doing this podcast coaching on the side they've understood why i want in esports they understand the amount of time that i put into it however i just can't see myself asking them to do that like i can't see them ask them to dish that out and i don't feel like a school would accept that answer for my one of my finals in i believe english class i had to write an essay on the schools that i want to go to and if i wrote down that i wanted to go to a video gaming school i honestly feel like the teachers would have just laughed and even half the students would have so i don't see this generation really being able to do much and i do think the aging is going to fall off due to that like i said i think time will tell um as things go on obviously we're more lenient so we can definitely kind of flip the script and prove how things could and should be done and speaking of time telling you're out of time and i have three seconds left so i'm out of time now as well so <laughs> i will pass this on to crown to close this out i guess now oh thank you madam that was a great use of your last three seconds there giving me <laughs> the opportunity to talk more just what i like to hear <laughs> either way that brings us to the end of our topics and the end of our esports power hour you've heard pretty much everything for the most part of what we've had to say of course i could have probably talked for hours upon hours more about this but again we we want to hear it from you guys if you guys have any ideas on what you talk about uh if, if you have any ideas of what we can do to improve the podcast for you guys let us know. You can send any questions, any concerns, comments to roundtableesports at gmail.com. You can check us out on iTunes, uh, or you can check out our media links below, or you can visit our website, visit our Facebook page. But uh, I've been your host, Crown Tempest, and alongside Medem and Sovereign. Uh, we wish you guys a happy a happy day, and, and good luck in your games. <laughs>